0: Tonight is an important night in the life of our church. It's not just something that we do casually or without uh, without serious thought and reflection and and in preparation. Uh, In just a moment, I'm going to ask the chairman of our deacons to come forward, and he's going to make a formal motion coming from our uh, deacon body and our, our ministerial staff that we, as a congregation, vote on Adam Cole being ordained into the gospel ministry. Uh, This would be something similar that we would do in something that I could not ever imagine happening if Adam ever did something that would disqualify him from ministry. That is, this is serious enough tonight that if Adam did something that would disqualify him from ministry, and again, I can't imagine in my wildest dreams anything like that ever happening, we would come back together in formal business session and we would vote to revoke His ordination from our congregation. And so, it's, it's, not, it's not a casual thing that we're doing tonight. Adam has answered a very lengthy questionnaire on his doctrinal position. He, he did it when we, when we called him as our, as our youth pastor. And then, in light of that, he was questioned by our deacons the other night and by other ordained men in the church on matters of a practical nature, a moral nature, cultural matters, and, and did a very, very good, very good job. So I'm going to ask Robbie Skaggs, who is the chairman of our deacon body, to come and to bring a recommendation tonight from our deacons and ministerial staff on the ordination of Adam Cole. Thank you.: As the chairman on the Deacon of the deacons. On behalf of the deacon body, uh, we would formally like to make a motion to recommend Adam to uh, ordain him into the Christian ministry. All right, that's coming from a deacon. We don't need, our deacon body, we don't need a second. And so, all in favor of proceeding with our ordination service tonight, if you would show that by saying amen. amen. Opposed? No? All right, very good. Adam, it's a great night. We're very glad to have you uh, tonight at this point in your, in your ministry and to have Abby sitting beside you and your family sitting behind you. I don't know if you remember this or not. You were taking me home from school quite some time ago. And on the way home, I asked you, what were your plans for the future? At that point, no one knew the plans of our current youth pastor, Drew Smith, except Pastor Elif and myself, were to transition to begin to teach and to finish up his PhD at Southwestern Seminary. And you told me that you would like to stay in Louisville and become a youth pastor. Well, here you are, brother. And we're very glad, to, we're very glad, uh, very glad of that. And we're very glad to have Abby serving with you. I have three grandchildren in your ministry, seven grandchildren in this church, I ask them occasionally, how's Adam doing? They say, Papa, he's doing great and Abby's doing even better. (laughs) And so, Abby, keep it up and he'll have a job for a while. (laughs) Adam, I want to do something I've never done in an ordination before. I, I sat down last week and I thought, what are lessons that I've learned since I've been in ministry that I would like to pass on to you? And that's what I want to do tonight. I have been in, in full-time ministry in some capacity for the better part of, well, since 1985. And I made a, a rather lengthy list sitting at my desk the other day, and then I went back and edited it down this afternoon. And so rather than preach an expositional sermon from 1 Timothy chapter 3 or Titus chapter 1, I want to share with you some thoughts and allow our entire congregation to, to listen to these admonitions I would make to you tonight about Christian ministry and my uh, prayers and hopes and dreams for you, brother. Uh, the first thing, and this is number one, the others are not in necessarily in any order, but this one I think stands first and foremost for me. That is, make the Great Commandment and the Great Commission the twin lighthouses to guide your ministry. The Great Commandment and the Great Commission is ministry becomes confusing and discouraging, and sometimes you find it difficult to make decisions and uh, to find your way. Look to the lighthouse of the Great Commandment and to the lighthouse standing beside it, the Great Commission. You know that the great commandment says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Nothing is more important in your life than that. Not the wife sitting beside you or the baby that you all will soon have. As important as those two relationships are, loving Jesus matters most. Loving Jesus and loving people, that's the great commandment. And the great commission says that discipleship fuels world evangelization. Discipleship fuels world evangelization. There will be no world evangelization without discipleship. Discipleship has to hold a principal place in your ministry if you help if you hope to contribute to the great commission. The next several have where I'll say, on the one hand, on the other hand. The second one is this. On the one hand, beware of continual, a continual quest to be trendy and contemporary. Trendy is often short-lived, and contemporary often is contextually situated. If you chase after trends, And continually being contemporary, you'll find that eventually the the bar stools that pastors sit in and the cocktail tables they preach from, which is fine, eventually will change to something else. On the other hand, don't be afraid to change. Sometimes a failure to change is a cover for laziness. I think you'll hear me use the word laziness a number of times in my exhortations to you, because ministry has a tendency to cause people to go in one of two directions. One is workaholic, and the other is laziness. Laziness often comes about because there's not anybody watching us, not Really watching us. But to go back to the point I've just made, sometimes the failure to change is merely a cover for laziness. It just takes too much effort, too much time, too much energy. So, on the one hand, don't be caught up in the wave of the trendy, on the other hand, don't be afraid to change. Number three, on the one hand, reject the worldly standard that numbers equal success. Otherwise, Jesus' ministry was a cataclysmic failure. He left 500 followers. This is a man who walked on water. You won't walk on water, and neither will I. This is a man who who multiplied fish and bread. You won't do that, neither will I. If numbers are the measure of success, Jesus was a cataclysmic failure, but He was not a cataclysmic failure, because success does not equal numbers. On the other hand, realize that every number has a name. So although you shouldn't measure success by numbers, don't think that a lack of numbers means that you are faithful. And successful. It may mean that you're lazy and that you're disinterested in people. But God will send people to you and you will serve them and you will serve them well. So don't measure success by numbers, but on the other hand, don't negate the fact that every number is a person with a name. Number four. On the one hand, beware of putting yourself and your opinion on a pedestal. You're not Jesus. You know that. I know that. But sometimes I think we do think we are. Don't put your opinion or yourself on a pedestal. On the other hand, God has given you wonderful gifts and you are indwelt by His Spirit. Trust His Spirit to lead you and guide you as you serve people. So, although you shouldn't put yourself or your opinion on a pedestal, don't neglect the gifts and the passion that God has given you in order to allow those gifts and passions to guide you as you seek to minister to God's people. Number five. Don't give any room in your heart for sinful sensuality. Fear it. Fight it. Make no provision for it. Make no excuses that would allow for it. Men better than you and me, Adam, have rejected God because they chose sex over God. They've abdicated the ministry that God granted to them. They've abandoned their family because they opened the door to sexual sin. And once that kind of sin gets its foot in the door, it's very hard to get it out again. So that means there may be shows that others can watch, but you cannot. There may be movies others can see, but you'll have to allow them to go by unseen. Draw strict lines in the sand. You have a sweet and wonderful wife. She deserves your fidelity. You serve a church that loves you and prays for you and supports you. They deserve your fidelity. More than anything else, you have a God who saved you from eternal damnation. He deserves your sexual faithfulness. And so I I emphasize this because we live in a world where you find that most men that leave the ministry are engaged in some kind of sexual improprieties. And I can't put it strongly enough to you, brother. Don't give the devil a foothold sexual immorality. Every other sin a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. And I can say that in my, in the privilege of time I've had to get to know you, I've never heard you make inappropriate jokes or make inappropriate comments that would be unbefitting of your wife hearing. Number six, Cultivate an interest and love for people. Jesus loves people. And you can't shepherd people from a distance. Know their names, understand their dreams and aspirations. Something that people often overlook in Paul's letters, and as a New Testament professor, I find this quite interesting, is how many people he mentions by name in so many of his letters. He had wide-ranging relationships. So be friendly. Be approachable. Don't see people as an interruption, but as an opportunity. Don't wait for people to come to you you're the shepherd, you go to them. Shepherds pursue the sheep. Don't minister to people and just take the position, well, they'll call me when they need me, or it's now in their court. No, that's not the way shepherds live. It's not the way shepherds behave. If that were the idea, then the shepherds would be losing a lot of sheep. Shepherds pursue the sheep. If you know that people you're caring for and ministering to are in difficult, hard, arduous circumstances, it's your obligation to pursue them, not for them to pursue you. They're injured, they're hurting, they're in pain. They're under the, they're under often under satanic attack. You go after them, don't be lazy and wait for them to come to you notice I mentioned the word lazy again. Lazy is just a word for inactivity and inaction. You can't be a shepherd and be inactive. Number seven, connected to that, is the thought if you don't enjoy people, you probably aren't called to ministry. You can still be a community organizer, but you can't be a shepherd. programs are a means to an end and not the end. Sometimes the most helpful thinking you can do for your ministry or the most helpful thing that you can do for your ministry is to sit around the office and enjoy the company of your colleagues. To laugh with your coworkers to play, play play practical jokes on all of them but the senior pastor. <laughs> there's something wrong with a staff person that doesn't love those he works with, and there's something wrong with a minister that doesn't love people. I think you know me well enough to know that I'm a reserved person. I, I'm a person that is uncomfortable in... In, uh, in large crowds. Um, that's the way that God put me together, but God put me together in a way that I have to force myself because that's what God call, has called me to do. He's called me to be outgoing as much as I can be outgoing, and He's called you to be outgoing as much as you can be outgoing. People want to know you and love you, and they will, they will work with you and for you if you will love them. Number eight. On the one hand, don't let praying be replaced by planning. On the other hand, if you don't plan, things will not go well, No matter how much praying you do, planning without prayer may allow things to happen, but planning without prayer won't be anointed and lead to something of eternal significance taking place. That is, praying and planning have to go together. Praying without planning is lazy. Planning without praying, on the other hand, is lazy. Praying should lead to action, not passivity. And so I would encourage you to saturate your planning with praying so that the things that you do have eternal significance. Finally, again I refer to the Apostle Paul, and you know this to be the case. Paul would often conclude his letters with a flurry of admonitions and commands and exhortations. That's what I want to do right now. I want to conclude my admonishment to you with a series of exhortations that are more like a machine gun. So let me close with these this series of machine gun like admonitions. Flee sexual immorality. I come back to it again because I fear for you and for all men who are called into Christian ministry, because Satan will seek to divide you from your wife and your soon-to-be-born child and your ministry. Flee sexual immorality. Let it be known as clearly and unambiguously as you can without it being over the top, that there is no person in your life that you love more than Abby Cole with the exception of Jesus. Follow godly examples. There's a lot of good godly people here. You don't have to be mentored in a one-to-one, up-close relationship, but you can watch how men treat their wives, godly men treat their wives. You can watch how godly colleagues like you have Plan events and saturate those events in prayer and follow up with people. Follow godly examples. Fight indwelling sin. Never stop growing in sanctification. Fight indwelling sin. Your wife is depending upon it. Your baby will be depending upon it. And those who minister with you depend upon it and the students who love you and support you deserve it. So, fight indwelling sin. Finally, be a faithful husband and father. I mean, beyond just sexual purity, be a faithful husband and father. Let your wife and children know how much you love them by the time you invest. In them. Tell them regularly that you love them, and then demonstrate it by the time that you spend with them. You will never be on a more family-friendly staff than this staff. I've never been a part of a church, congregationally, that wants its staff's families to be as healthy as this church wants your family to be healthy. And then the final thing I would say, brother, is this. Enjoy God's call on your life. It is the best of lives if God has called you to it. There, there's nothing that will satisfy you more. There's nothing that will energize you more than to be a leader of God's people, and that's exactly what He's called you, called you to be. Now, what I would like to do at this time, I'm going to ask Adam if he would come forward and just kneel here on one of these steps. I'm going to ask all of the ordained men, if you've been ordained to the diaconate in our church or another church, if you've been ordained as a, a pastor in this church or another church, we're going to ask you all to come in and gather around our, our brother here. And then, I don't know how many staff wives, but I'm going to ask our staff wives and our deacon wives to come up and, and gather around Abbey, our staff wives and deacon wives, You'll come on up. Deacons, men, ordained men, just come on up right now. Wives, come on up. Jalen's in the in preschool tonight serving as you or Abby, she would be right right there beside you. And so then what we're going to do is we're going to take just a couple of minutes for for prayer. Uh, silent prayer. So men come on up. You can come up here in the front in front of him right here if you can maneuver the maneuver the stairs, okay. He would be glad to glad for that. And so what I want you to do over the next two minutes is I want you just to focus your hearts and your minds and your attention on Adam and Abby Cole. I want you to pray God's blessings on them, pray God's protection for them, pray God's anointing and empowerment of them. So we're all focusing on these, this brother and his wife, and then in just a moment, uh, after a couple of minutes, we're going to ask uh, Ryan Morris to pray our ordination prayer. After he prays and says amen, brothers and sisters, you can return to your seats. Our worship team will come up at that time. We'll sing a, a, sing a final song together and, um, and then be dismissed. But let me remind all who are a part of the ordination council to sign Uh, the ordination certificate and Bible over here. So let's bow our heads together in prayer.
1: Father, we thank you for Adam and Abby. God, we thank you for the calling that is so evident on his life. God, we just thank you that you are calling people to serve you. God, we pray for Adam and Abby as uh, they have uh, entering into this ministry, we we do pray that you strengthen him <clears throat> to live a life that honors you. God, we pray that you continually give him the strength to flee from or- uh, <clears throat> immortality. God, we pray that you protect their marriage. God, we pray uh, for their child that they'll have that that already you are cultivating them into being parents that will point their child to you. God, we just love the Kohl's. We are so thankful that you brought them uh, to our church. God, we thank you as we look back at this past year uh, of ministry, at just uh, the way they have invested uh, into our students and our parents, and what they have meant uh, to us as a church family. God, we pray for each of the students that will be impacted because of Adam's uh, ministry, both here and and wherever uh, you may take him. God, we pray that you continually use him to be a light in this world. God, we are so thankful of the way you have blessed our church And, God, we are just thankful to be able to serve alongside Adam and Abby uh, this time. God, we love you and praise your name. Amen.